Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today we've got a podcast investor special. Lots of people have been asking about the interesting world of investment and how it works and M&A and all these things that happen every single minute of every single day in the restaurant industry. So what we thought we would do together with BDO was bring you an investor special that will hopefully answer all of the questions and more that you might have. So we've hired the big studio today, which is very exciting. There's going to be four of us. So there's myself, there's Lizzie Ryan, from Mbiba and Lizzie is a director there. We've got Chris Miller, who's the founder of White Rabbit Fund and you may have seen on Million Pound Menu. And also we have Peter Hemmington, who's the corporate finance partner and national head of M&A at BDO. Really excited to have the chat. It's a lot of things that I don't know a huge amount about, so I'm going to learn so much today and I really hope that you do too. So it gives me the most profitable pleasure ever to sit in the company of three financial geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got an investor special today, sponsored and brought to you by the lovely people at BDO. So thank you so much for that. It'd be really good for us to whip round the table in the big swanky studio um, and just ask everyone who they are, what they do, and then we'll start getting into some meaty questions, if that's all right. So, do you want to start, Chris? Sure. So, uh, my name's Chris Miller. I'm the founder of White Rabbit Fund, which is a hospitality development platform. In the last three years, we've launched 15 restaurants across four different brands, so Cricket, Lena Stores, Island Poke, and Kim's. Great. Excellent. Uh, my name's Peter Hemmington. I'm uh, from BDO. I'm an M&A advisor, so uh, most of my work is working with entrepreneurs who either want to sell a business or to raise money to, to grow a business. Um, and I don't do anything except leisure. Um, 
and leisure for us is it's mostly hospitality, mm-hmm. pubs, restaurants, and I do quite a lot in travel as well, actually, which you know is obviously a little bit different, but actually there's a fair bit of crossover as well. Very good. Hi, I'm Lizzie Ryan. I'm a director at Imbiba, which is a leisure and hospitality-focused private equity firm. We um, typically invest growth capital into leisure and hospitality companies that are looking to grow. And some of our, I mean, we're, we're quite well known for founding Drake & Morgan, mm-hmm. but some of our existing portfolio companies include Farmer J, Vagabond, Purple Dragon Play. Great. I guess what I was thinking was we might start by just trying to explain about investment a little bit, just to set the scene for people that are listening if they don't know as much. So whoever wants to take the, the question, I guess, we can go from there, but just laying it out, what types of investments are available what's common, what's going on in the market. That would just be quite good to set the scene before we go so, on. I mean, as, as I'm the kind of, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the advisor rather than the principal. So maybe, maybe I've got a perhaps a slightly broader view of what's mm. going on. But um, I, I mean, this is, this is an industry, the, the restaurant and bar industry, that's, that's been very attractive to particularly the private equity community uh, in recent years because when it goes well, it goes absolutely brilliantly. You know, once you get the formula right, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know it's never easy, but you know you have you have that cookie cutter, and you can just roll out a, a very successful proposition that 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 the, your audience likes, the consumer really likes. Um, it's very cash generative, so you know you don't have to worry about working capital in the way you do in other sectors. Um, and when it goes well, you know the returns can be absolutely fantastic for for financial investors. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd say the story of the restaurant and bar world in in recent years in terms of finance has been. You know, canny, savvy private equity type investors finding propositions at various different stages of development, but helping them grow uh, into something you know far bigger and more exciting. You, you know, that, that can take on the world. Um, so, is that is that yeah. does that make sense? I think adding adding on to that, you've you've also got um, high net worth individuals. They've always you get some nice tax breaks of SEIS and EIS at the early stages. Um, and obviously the the growth in crowdfunding as well. It seems to be a an attractive one because people know the brands. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the few investment places where everyone quite rightly can have an opinion and an idea of who they want to back because they get to walk in and they eat three times, four times a day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, crowdfunding's been very successful for a number of um, uh, a number of concepts. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Chris completely there. Um, I think the one thing that's probably changed more recently is that a lot of the generalist investors have started to back away from the market slightly at the moment, okay. which, I mean, we see as an opportunity, which I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. And then what about crowdfunding? I've always got slight alarm bells ringing in my head about that because I don't know if it's Emperor's New Clothes. I don't know if it's, you know, the PPI scandal waiting to happen eventually. I don't know if it's a little bit of a... Sw- you know, what, what are you guys feeling about crowdfunding? I mean, I, I worked in, in, in um, the early stages, what's now EIS, actually, and uh, which, which were in, in its early days was something called the Business Expansion Scheme. Uh, and it was really interesting that that industry, under, under pressure, I think, from regu- regulators, but it kind of self-regulated developed a whole series of protocols around what it would and what it wouldn't say mm-hmm. to investors about the, the, the things that it was trying to get people people to invest in. And it became very organised, um, and there were things you could say and things that you couldn't say. The lawyers got heavily involved, uh, accountants like me got involved, and it you know it took a lot of risk for investors out of, out of 
know, what could have been a pretty scary sort of Wild West uh, kind of market. Mm -hmm. And I do have a sense that that probably hasn't happened yet with the crowdfunding world. Yeah. And maybe we need to see a few, you know, businesses go bust because perhaps, you know, people haven't realised the risks that they've been getting into um, in, in investing in those kind of businesses. Mm. I, I mean, whether that's fair or not, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, the other thing I would say is that it's absolutely fine to raise funding from crowdfunding. I think it's been a great platform for a lot of businesses. However, if you then look to raise finance from private equity at a later stage, the valuation expectations at that point, yeah. normally make it un not viable for us to get involved so that's the only thing i would say if, mm. if you think you're going to look at future funding rounds outside of that it becomes quite tricky because it's almost like the dragon's den thing isn't it where they say oh i've got a couple of investors already or yeah i've got quite good money what do you need us for kind of thing so yeah it could could trip you up and dilute the offering i guess it's a longer term i'd, I'd probably be a bit uh, stronger in the sense of <laughs> Go on, Chris. Wild West <laughs> PPI scandal. I think there are certain deals that have have gone through crowdfunding, which are uh, bordering on criminal. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we've been in the finance side of this, and deals get done at uh, uh, you know between six and fifteen times EBITDA. There's a few outliers. Some of the deals that have gone to market there is no way investors will make money on that. Mm. Um, and I think that's terrifying. Look, don't get me wrong, there are definitely, there are people who are good companies that have raised money and will do well, yeah. but there are also some absolute scandals and there will be some disasters coming in the next, uh, the next few years. There's been some good success stories, right, though, with people like Gary Usher, seemed to yeah. do a really good job, you know, in, in helping him open things, which has then led them to other things. And so there does seem to be so Chilango, I think, seemed to do reasonably well, you know. I was always a little bit miffed though because um they, they put posters of, you know, help us expand like, in the window and I was like, just put your products in the window or you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, we always me and Eric always had that argument. Exactly. Yeah. Some some of them have released bonds. Yeah, and you're mm. taking you're taking equity risk on a debt instrument which the returns aren't high enough on so i think it's interesting structures and then there are there are, there are people actually who've raised uh, private equity money which is could be very very expensive mm. and then they've continued to crowdfund uh, and that money sits behind the private equity money yeah, yeah. And, um, you know if it grows spectacularly they'll, they'll get a return but it's yeah. going to be really hard to make it work sorry yeah. no i just think consumers are not aware i don't i don't think everyday folk are aware that their money sits behind that yeah. i'm sure it's written down somewhere but it is sure. i've checked a couple of the perspectives but, <laughs> but it's the fact that they don't read the finer detail or they don't quite frankly understand the finer detail yeah and there's a lovely presentation in the front, and then there's the presentation pack, and the and the rights you get for 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 in terms of as a consumer, yeah. you know, free product. Everyone loves that. Yeah, um, and so pe people people see that and they, they think well, that's exciting. That's all need. It needs some regulation. I think. Yeah, the, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, the Apple terms and conditions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just just boot, reboot. Will your computer? <laughs> and, and although it, it feels like you know the, the the casual dining bars has been through a horrible recession over the last. Well, since 2016, actually, we haven't really seen a, a a decent recession. If there is such a thing, horrible things recession. So I really, I personally really don't enjoy them. But that that's when you know we'll see we'll see some of the the more outrageous things that have been done, which probably get exposed and probably lead to a bit of a clampdown. Yeah, you know, from regulators. So etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Let's go in the sunny side of the street then. So, uh, <laughs> what's exciting us at the moment? You know, whether it's some businesses you're you're working with, or you 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 know you sort of helped conceive or is there some stuff out in the market or is there stuff in other countries you know what what's exciting you at the moment 
I think that we're seeing a lot of movement in the experiential leisure bracket. Mm. That doesn't necessarily just mean competitive socialising. There's, there's a lot of experiential, whether that's immersive bars or we actually invested in a virtual reality bar, which is to one extreme. Uh-huh. Um, What's so that called? It's called The Other World. Okay. The company's the Dream Corporation, but Great. it's yeah, it's called The Other World and it's in Haggerston and it is a... Of course it is. Of course it is, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Um, but it, it's very much a design-led immersive cocktail bar where you can go and stand in pods and experience The Other World, which is this virtual, virtual reality world, yeah. play from a number of games, either by yourself or with colleagues, so it's very interactive. Um, but the entire experience is completely immersive mm. and very very much down down that way yeah. and I've, i think i've been and i can say it's very good fun oh, have you been good, oh great yeah well, <laughs> what, what did all... you do fight zombies fighting zombies yes <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you actually have to talk to anyone while you're doing it no which makes it even better even better so you can avoid social interaction with uh, other human beings but you can Wonderful. do though they you do can. link up and we went as colleagues and you could just hear everybody screaming don't you because <laughs> Actually, it's, it's maybe a nice segue as well for the industry to maybe start looking at esports a bit more and yep, getting absolutely. into that area. I don't think enough people are taking the, the opportunity on that yet because some of the people that run the concepts are maybe a bit older and they say, this is stupid. What, why would people do that? You know, and it's like, no, it could be, you know, as big as the Super Bowl night or something like that. So there's a lot of great opportunity there, I think. Yeah. Well, we've we've just added on a, um, uh, a new part of the company called Black Rabbit Projects, which oh. um, uh, is starting to experiment with um, experiential dining. Uh, so put on something called uh, the Book Club Cabaret, um, which has just been reviewed very favourably in the Telegraph. Um, so I think there is that world of experience and hospitality is definitely crossing over and there's going to be something, um, you know, some really interesting concepts coming up along those lines. Brilliant. I have to say, my uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than everybody else in the room. Uh, my younger colleagues t- t- uh, t- tried to get me excited about experiential drinking <laughs> and uh, they t- took me for an afternoon at uh, Swingers, uh, Friday afternoon. Um, the worst experience of my... Uh, entire life in this industry. I mean, I really, uh, I, I, found, I found it really difficult to, to get engaged with. I have to say, I liked uh, uh, Flight Club, which I thought was a, a, a really fantastic concept. That's and awesome. swingers, obviously, yeah. people love swingers. It's a very successful mm. business. Yeah. But uh, I suppose I do wonder whether you know, is it a fad? Is it, is it something that's going to be uh, going to have longevity? You know, are we going to see these businesses grow to forty, fifty sites, or is that not where, where hospitality is at? You know, is it is it about getting to a really successful ten site business? You know, make it make it work five, six years and then move on and do something different. I don't know. Is that, is that the disposability of uh, hospitality these days? Well, I think the life cycle of everything has shortened in the market. Yeah. I, I don't think competitive socialising is a fad. I think it's been here for long enough now. But I do think between the concepts, there will be fads. And, yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Flight Club, I think, is probably the best out there. It's not a fad. People have been playing darts for years and actually there is a barrier to entry and also it's accessible if you're paying 30 pounds and 10 of you can play on one table yeah. that's mm. three pounds a head it's, yeah. it's really really accessible and that last dart though like when you hit the last dart and it does you <laughs> in slow motion <laughs> and you've won it just feels incredible and i discovered that i was better at darts than my my, my, my millennial colleagues oh, really? spent my formative years <laughs> in pubs what does that say about you well you know i obviously didn't spend enough time and i'm not slagging off uh, swingers I'm, I'm saying I'm a miserable bastard. Didn't, <laughs> just didn't really get it. But I certainly obviously didn't spend enough time on the crazy golf uh, uh, court. I think or perhaps I didn't drink enough when I was doing it. <laughs> yeah, there there is that question of how many times are you going to go uh, axe throwing? And look, yeah, there's there's a few out there. I haven't been myself, so I might be talking out of turn. How, but how does axe throwing going 
throwing work with drink because you need drink in these things, don't you? <laughs> the first time, so when I originally went to the Vauxhall one, you weren't allowed to drink. And right. because I think it's a bit of a grey area in terms of, I don't think there is any laws yet in this country because no one really acts throws, whereas yeah. in the US it's a more established market. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were, I know that they were looking to open one with a bar, but I, I don't know how that works because obviously you don't want to be really drunk and throw an axe. Uh, yeah, maybe it's up to a certain <laughs> limit or something and you get breathalyzed. I don't know. I don't know, but, I yeah. don't know, but they could change the regulations on that if something goes wrong, so... But you've, I mean, got, you've got to fill up the the um, the retail landscape with something because all of the yeah. yeah a lot of the uh, retail stores are closing. So what do you do with those big spaces? Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, yeah. And actually, I mean, go karting has, which is a similar kind of uh, idea, I suppose. You know, something you can't do whilst you're whilst you're drinking. That's kind of solved that in a way in that you you know you only drink after you've done you done your go-karting mm. so I, there is a there is a kind of precedent i suppose i think the lifespan thing's a good point and you know i always think about lucky voice you know karaoke um that you know martha started from lastminute.com and again it was that how many times would you go karaoke for the average person and is it going to be a little bit like that but also i think there's such a great opportunity rather than having 50 sites in the uk you might become an international thing where mm -hmm. you've got, you know, a few sites across the world in major places and, you know, it could be quite interesting to see how that yeah. falls. But I guess it's, what have we not done yet that's experiential? You know, I was kind of always going through mm -hmm. the sports. I was working with a client and they're opening a sports bar and we're thinking, what are we going to put in there, you know, apart from shuffleboard or whatever? And yeah, we're kind of running out of. Uh, I've, I've seen a things. few. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm NDA'd to, uh, to talk <laughs> oh. about them. There's definitely more coming. Is there? Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then when you're looking at the things that are exciting you, what's your criteria? You know, what are you looking for from businesses when you're out there? Not wanting any trade secrets or magic formulas, but just roughly, what are you looking at? I mean, one thing that obviously it's easier said than done, but we, we try to look at best in class within the category, mm. whether that means the best product, the best service, the best marketing, the best branding, whatever it might be. So mm. within our portfolio, when we looked at PharmaJ, we believe that in terms of the grab and go market, the food there was best in class. It's all freshly made on site. There's something differentiated about it. And actually the branding itself as well. Mm. Purple Dragon is, in our minds, the best children's play club in the whole of London. Um, and Vagabond kind of disrupted the market from a traditional wine bar model. So yeah. the, the one thing we really look for is what, what makes it stand out. Mm -hmm. Is is there a barrier to entry, which I guess in Legend Hospitality is quite difficult, but what gives it that edge? Yeah. And is it the best? And is it, you know, if it's the third best golf concept, are we going to invest? No. Yeah. 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 Sort of to bastardise in Elon Musk ways to... Yeah, if you're not going to do it better than anyone else, why bother doing it at all? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah. We along a similar lines. Uh, it's about a total obsession with the quality of the product and and what you're what you're producing. Um, that's always top of the list. Mm -hmm. um, but alongside that, you have to have an incredibly strong management team. And yeah. I know everyone will echo that. Mm -hmm. This is a incredibly hard business. Um, Especially in the, the early stages of zero to five, zero to eight sites, uh, there are a lot of ups and downs and a lot of day-to-day -day disasters. So you have to have a management team that can, can deal with that. Um, and then probably the, the final one on my list is always an ability to scale. Now, I think what that means has changed definitely over the last five years. Um, that's not let's roll out 30 of these a year. I think that world is is dead for a few 
you know, yeah, there's, no that. there's there's still the Ivy Collection doing their mm. their expanse, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's Correct. can you can you roll out in a, or expand in a disciplined, flexible way? Mm. Um, and I still think there's there's very interesting brands doing that successfully. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and to add to that, I suppose we also, and I'm sure you're exactly the same, is that. It, we also look for concepts where we can actually add value because in, in Bieber's approach is very much a partnership approach. We're half investors and half operators and therefore we do help with things like site selection and marketing and recruitment. And so if, you know, if you've got everything you need and actually you're just looking for a bit of cash out, that's not the right investment for us. Yeah. And is that tricky though, you doing a bit of both or um, is that a good thing? Well, I think we see it as, first of all, I guess we see it as a good thing because it's less less of them and us. Yeah. So I'm an investor by background yep. and I'm very aware that I'm probably focused too focused on numbers. I've never really been in the trenches and yeah. it's difficult to relate to that from the other side of the table sometimes. Um, and our operation team, they do not meddle in the day-to-day -day operation of the business whatsoever. You know, it's very much management's business and we're very much backing them. Yeah. But what they do help with is so we've, I mean, we've got Kieran Sherlock joined us recently. Used to work with as, Kieran at you? your sushi. Yes, oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. So, we live in Brighton, yeah. Exactly. So he helps all of our businesses with their property, which you know so you can never see enough properties in the market, um, and yeah. site selection is probably the most important thing yeah. for getting it right. Um, and we recently hired Andrew Stones as well, who's the ex-CEO of yeah. Bit One. Um, so he's helped businesses a lot with things like procurement. I mean, stuff that is a bit of a no-brainer. He's just helped them cut costs overnight by changing yeah. where they're getting their suppliers from. So it's not it's not at all about meddling in their vision. We are yeah. backing their vision and their plan. Yeah. So I think it's, it's very well received, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but if somebody doesn't want any involvement and wants you to rock up, you know, once every six months to a board meeting and just hand over money, that's not really what we do. Yeah, and feed you something that might not be the actual truth. Yeah, I've written those reports. <laughs> what, and what about you, Peter, when you're looking at something? Well, can I do a really a bit of a boring accountant's point? Sure. But, um, we'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. But the... Um, the one that one of the problems with this, with, with if you're an investor in this industry, is what we call operational gearing. You know, you've got a lot of fixed cost, and when when things go wrong, you know, it's very hard to escape the, that fixed cost. You know, you've got people, you need you need people in the business. You've got leases, you need leases. You know, it's only your sort of twenty twenty five percent food cost that of, that is actually a variable cost. So that is, you know, when things go wrong in this industry, they go wrong really bad, really quickly, and it, and it can be really really horrible. Um, so the businesses that I've seen recently that I really like are the ones who've, who've thought about that and are trying to manage their way through it. So, you know, we all love lounges. Um, I, I helped Piper buy it many, many years ago. And I think Alex Riley is, you know, the, perhaps one, the one bona fide genius um, in, in our industry operating at the moment. And perhaps Crispin Tweddle, who, 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 uh, Piper, who I don't know if people know him, but perhaps is, is another one. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that they got together. But that business, you know, it has a very low rent roll. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making a, making really decent returns. You know, relatively small in terms of each each unit, but you know the risk in that business is managed beautifully because of the fact that they're they're very very careful about uh, how much they're prepared to pay in rent. Um, I've just spent ages uh, on the, the the sort of very well publicised trying to try to help someone buy Giggling Squid, another brilliant business run by a really talented CEO Andy Laurelard, again a very talented man. You know, and again, it's you know, it's finding really good property. The, the rest of the proposition is fantastic. You know, great quality food. Um, you know, they, they 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 spend an appropriate amount on decor, and, and but they they get a lot lot out of the money that they spend. Mm -hmm. Really pleasant place to be. Great service. Um, but you know, they're in they're in they're in relatively cheap locations, affordable locations. 
but where they know that their public will come. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it, it just enables you to, to roll out more quickly with less risk. Um, it's not for everybody, but, but when it works, it, it is a really, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see from a financial perspective, from an accountant's perspective. Ideal. Um, so a couple of other things then I was thinking about was the good stuff as well. Greatest achievements so far. You know, what's been awesome? You know, when have you kind of punched the air and said, God, can't believe we're working with them or we did this or what's the what's the good stuff that's been going on for, for you guys? Do you know, I, I had one yesterday, which ah. sort of really ticked and we were doing the, um, we're just about to launch Lena Stores in King's Cross and uh, the, the general manager there who's going to be running a 130 seat restaurant that we spent um, a, a big number on. Um, and when I first met him, he was a barman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's come with us on a journey for about you know, just over three years, um, from starting in the bar to running the site in in Greek streets and now running King's Cross, mm-hmm. um, and that's the stuff that makes me really proud. Is you can actually sit there and go, we've we've, we've fundamentally helped this help this guy to to uh, develop and learn and um, be you know he's incredibly proud now of what he's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's always the first one, and then the other one is if I can't get a table in uh, in our restaurants. It's uh, <laughs> always a nice one to have. Nice, nice problem to have. Yeah, delivery it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Lizzie? Well, I think in Bieber's biggest achievement is definitely Drake and Morgan. Mm. Um, so that was founded in two thousand and eight. Very design led bars in the city. Mm-hmm. Grew at a time when everybody else was kind of backing out the market, taking on large sites. Um, yeah. And Bieber was involved in everything from recruiting the CEO, the marketing, site selection. And obviously we exited that in 2013 mm-hmm. to Baymark for, I think it was about six times money for investors. So great. it was a good return. So another one of those would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I helped Baymark buy it, by the way. Ah. Who did you? So, yeah, <laughs> sitting in the background rather, but I did, I did get a fee for it. Well, <laughs> well, I think it was so amazing, you know, with Gillian as well and, and that. And yeah. I think it was really this kind of revolution, wasn't it, in terms of the new... All bar one in a lot of ways, yeah. the completely modernised version, which made other brands sort of not look as as, as slick, you know, and, and very female friendly, super female friendly, S- skinny martinis, it. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and obviously because it was them full of females, the men came flocking, so yeah, it was, it was out the bar tab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first time I went into the folly was I just couldn't believe it, <laughs> no. you know, it was just this like a spaceship had landed or something. It's just like yes. oh my god, yeah, unbelievable. And what about you guys, Peter? A BDO. Um, I mean, what what I do is I help people do deals, and then I bugger off, you know. And whether it goes well or not, you know, I, I have to stop worrying about it then. So it, it is a business that where you get, you know, you complete a deal, and it's just fantastic. Um, uh, actually, what I've really enjoyed is building a business. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, we've I'm not, I'm not going to talk about our position in the market, but you know, we've we've just built a fantastic business working with talented entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's just fantastic working with talented people that you really go on and see be very successful. Uh, I, I talked about Alex Riley earlier on. I, Alex was brutal um, in pitching people to advise him when he, he did his first deal. He made he made me and one of our competitors spend a year going to openings. And he, he'd, he'd invite both of us to, to the openings. And we'd sit on one side of the, the bar <laughs> from each other. Wow. And he also invited the three private equity houses you're interested in. And he started inviting them along as well. And, uh, yeah, they'd all look wow. at each other. Maybe one of them would come over and talk to us for a bit. But uh, he ran this great process, really getting to know people really well. 
Um, and then he didn't use anyone to do the deal. He did it himself because it was just so easy to do the first deal. <laughs> so that was a great disappointment. Yeah. But I did help Piper do that deal. And it was fantastic to see somebody like that go on and build. And, you know, there's there's a lot to go for that business. You know, they're, 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 that will be a really big business one day. And it's just great to see something like that happen. You know, really talented entrepreneurs succeed in, in, in just building something fantastic, something wonderful. And what... What really hurts in terms of ones that you let get away <laughs> or you didn't win? What's happened there? Well, you, 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 <laughs> you try not to think about it. There, there is there is one that comes to mind. Um, I, uh, I, I said Joe and the Juice was too expensive <laughs> uh, when they had about seven sites, and I think at last count, I mean, it's, I'm guessing now, but it's about three hundred now. Yeah. Uh, so you. You're gonna miss a few. That, that's that's for sure. Although that, I mean, that was that was in my previous role before Soho House in when I was in private equity. Uh, so yes, you, it, it's gonna happen. And do you ever pop in for a juice, or do you Absolutely. just walk by it? No, no, no. I'm <laughs> not that. Uh, not that petty. Uh, no, it's a great business. Yeah, they've they've oh, done amazing. incredibly well. Amazing. Yeah. Lizzie, what were you? Have you been any? Yeah, I mean, it's less of a case of um, our choice, more of a case of their choice. Uh-huh. But um, we would have loved to have gotten involved with Flight Club. Mm-hmm. As we said before, I, I do think it's the best in that subsector. Um, very scalable. And it has it has actually got a barrier to entry through the technology. So, yeah, lovely business. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I never, never turn anybody down. <laughs> we're, we're for hire, you know. Pay us a fee, and we'll, you know, we'll do our best. Mm-hmm. No, I just with that question, I always think about. We, we talked about Chris when I interviewed you for a thing the other month here, and it was um, there's a guy called John Nevin who's from Scotland. Like uh, he's a, a, a writer now and all that. He was an A and R man, and he said no to Coldplay and Muse. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like so he's sort of you know quite famous for that. But he's he's got a kind of career now and written a couple of movies and you know but. He talks about that, and that's strange. It's, it's, it's very similar. This um, the investing game is not too dissimilar from the uh, the A and R world of old, where you are chefs are the new rock stars, and you're running around trying to find the next big thing. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get some duds and hopefully a few successes. Yeah, I say I do my standard email, and occasionally you do have to turn people down. You know, we just don't think it's going to work. Is to mention, you know, the bloke who turned down the Beatles. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm the bloke who turned down the Beatles, and you're going to prove me wrong. You know, yeah. because it's just your opinion, isn't it? And, yeah, you know, people go on and are very successful, and we all have to make choices about how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to spend our money, and no one's going to get it right all the time. A and R is presumably that's just like um, I don't know. It's random. It's a random number game, isn't it? Do, do, are there people who've got a real nose for it, really? Yeah, they'll see they have, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's a lot of luck, isn't it? Having just read a, a very interesting book on the history of EMI, you know, oh, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you, you just get a sense that you know there's a lot of luck involved and uh, perhaps a little bit less less judgment. Yeah, so it is like the restaurant industry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. We're fully professional. <laughs> Honest gov from Supersonic Inc. This is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, 
BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Um, and then what about um, the landscape at the moment? You know, what's going on out there? A lot of people, I saw this weekend there was an Honest Burger story about in looking for investment or something like that. What's happening out there at the moment? I mean, I suppose, obviously, the political uncertainty has had an impact on mm. Brexit, primarily on um, the availability of labour as mm-hmm. much as anything else. But as I said before, which I'm sure you found as well, um, we've actually seen it's quite an opportunity because so many people have backed out of the market. So yeah. where there might have been an influx of investment before, mm-hmm. there isn't anymore. And actually, because so many properties are becoming available to all these CVAs, we are getting access to properties with no premiums, yeah. with capital contributions, mm-hmm. at lower rents than we would have seen before. Mm-hmm. So... To, for us, we're quite bullish. We think yeah. it's a great time to be investing. It's a great time to be growing. I mean, it is. It's the same as as normal recessions. There is a shake up of the industry every every few years. Um, you know, there has been this perfect storm of issues, which yeah, the, the, the crazy rents, rates increases, minimum wage, staff shortages, all that. that but. But the nice thing about this industry is people will always eat and drink. Yeah. It, it's, you know, this isn't the coal industry where it's, it's going to disappear. Um, and because of that, it's just the industry is, is changing. And so we're having to find those businesses that are adapting, adapting quickly to that. Mm-hmm. And it is a huge opportunity because 50% of this, as, as you say, is a, is a property game. Yeah. Um, and so if you can pick up great properties at... And, and this is half it. It's got to be reasonable prices. And landlords have got to realise that what was being signed up over the last few years was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the the unfortunate pleasure of seeing... It. We do see all of the properties that come up when there's a um, uh, one of the businesses going into administration. Mm-hmm. And you look at something like Jamie's, and it doesn't matter how good your concept was, mm-hmm. some of the rents that they signed up to, you could yeah. never make those work. Yeah. And so there just needs to be a, a an adjustment in the industry and a realisation that if you want F&B concepts to work, um, yeah, you've, got to, you've got to give sensible rents. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be flipping out concepts every 12, 24 months. Yeah. I think a point you mentioned earlier, Chris, as well, is that we're going to benefit from the fallout of retail, hugely. Mm. Whether that's in shopping malls or just retail units, so many of them are vacant. And actually, the younger generation seem to be spending less on consumer goods and yeah. but more on going out because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we've seen mother care yeah the yeah. other day as well yeah. if there's, if there's yeah. a document i've seen in the last couple of years that's worth reading it's uh, next did a 15 year what do they call it a risk appraisal or right. i can't I can't remember what they called it but it's it's in their last set of set of results i think and it's just they basically try to work out what will happen if the current rate of uh, decline of retail uh, carries on at the rate it's going at the moment and they look forward 15 years and try to imagine the impact on their business mm-hmm. and i can't remember the stats but it's something like you know that they, they see this there's a future for retail because people will always want to go to their stores and pick stuff up mm-hmm. but they'll need fewer stores and their stores probably be yeah. smaller um so you know they will they, a lot of their business and they're already 50 percent online next aren't they a lot of the business will will, will uh will move further online uh 
but rents will fall back again. I can't remember the number, but at fifty or sixty percent over yeah. the next, and therefore, yeah, you know, they end up in a very with a very different shape of their business, but 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 with making the same kind of money, same kind of returns yeah. for their investors, yeah. and you know the the opportunity for you know the, the hospitality industry, the leisure industry arising from that is you know basically your cost base gets rebased downwards, mm-hmm. um, and you have more more and better space to choose from that was formerly occupied by the retailers. So it does feel like you know, a bit of a world of opportunity coming. Yeah, and another thing I think is you know the 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 world, the world is demanding more authentic, authenticity mm-hmm. and things that are real, mm-hmm. and they can create an, an emotional engagement with. You know, I have spent a chunk of my career put you know helping people, you, you know, with these these faces that that have appeared all over the high streets where you get these high streets that look identical to each other. Yeah, and you go in the restaurants and you go in the restaurants and you know it's the same design consultants and the restaurants three in a row look look identical to each yeah. other. You know, so you've seen. I don't know the the return of the pub, which you know, I, I think that will con- that will continue because people yeah. they feel an emotional attachment to the local pub. It's something real. It's part of their lives. Yeah. Something they want to be involved in, and it's just easier to to feel that attachment to something that's been there for a hundred years and has mm. got you know an authenticity to it that a, that a chain restaurant with a plastic face here hasn't hasn't yeah. got. Well, I was going to ask that in terms of you know independent versus chain, but what I'm meaning is is there a place for but or is it even possible to have a believable chain anymore, or do you have to diversify the portfolio? When I say believable chain, I th- I'm thinking Gales, I'm thinking Honest Burger. There still feels like there's something there, although they're getting reasonably big. So, at what point does that then just become the you know Clinton cards everywhere? <laughs> I mean, Gales, is, you know, he's brilliant. I mean, that, that's got 50, 50 stores, yeah. know, which I was amazed by. Fifty six. So you know, as a, as of next week, apparently. And you yeah, go in, you yeah. go into each one, and you feel you're in something that feels warm. It feels friendly. It doesn't yeah. feel fake. It doesn't feel forced. Yeah, it feels like a really nice place to be. Mm-hmm. And you know that the quality of the food is is uppermost in what they're trying to do. So you'll be getting great bread, you know, yeah. great sourdough bread that, that, that you know, you're going to enjoy. Mm. Um, and it's going to be really good quality. Are you, do you work with them? <laughs> <laughs> You've just rhymed off their brand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. I just go there a lot. I really like That's the sausage rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've, I had to stop going there because I like the sausage rolls too much. <laughs> to that point, I, I have eaten at some of the best restaurants in the world. And in my top 10 restaurants uh, is still Nando's. <laughs> and I will happily... Yeah, they have... They have done it so incredibly yeah. well. So you, you can have a chain um, and a brand that is trusted and that um, that you keep going back to. Mm. I, yeah. uh, there is just, in, in these kind of times, a shift to quality. Yeah. And, and that, that, that always happens. Um, but yeah, even, even some of the more complicated restaurants, if you look at something like Dishoom, mm. uh, there's, there's eight or nine Dishooms now, right. something like that. Maybe. Yeah, but, and it's a phenomenal brand, and I, I still love eating there. And but they, they you can tell they really care about every yeah. single one that they open. Um, and I, th- I think that's the thing is you, if you open thirty a year so aggressively, you do lose touch with your customer. Yeah. But if you can if you can continue to grow and obsess about the detail, then then it's still still possible mm. yeah i mean it's a question we ask ourselves all the time is that what, what number does, does it become yeah. a chain and mm. that's really tricky i mean if you look at borough market i think if you have over three you're not allowed in there because they deem it a chain right. whereas it's, it's all about customer perception I, I remember asking one of my friends i mean albeit this was a, a few months ago before they they expanded so rapidly how many ivies do you think there are and mm. she was like three i think it was yeah. 30 at that point yeah. so i mean 
I think there there is a line and quality definitely goes under at some point. Mm. But, it, but it is about customer perception and you're right. I mean, I think Nando's, Wagamama's, even, you know, McDonald's, Greg's, somehow they are, have maintained their cool brand power. Yeah. Um, but so many people just fall in the middle and get it wrong. And you uh, saw and Pret yesterday, you know, with the, with the Christmas sandwich opening and people were going bananas for that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like... It's a great but, sandwich. But it is about... Rein- yeah. <laughs> even within brands, I think it's not forgetting who you are, but it is about reinventing yourselves. I mean, Greg and their vegan sausage roll, mm. for example. Yeah. That sounds like a children's book. <laughs> Greg and the vegan sausage <laughs> by Enid Blyton. I, I, yeah. I met somebody from, Greg, from Greg's recently, and I was just, um, and that's a business that's got real soul, I think, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very different from, from yeah. like, Gail's, but you know, there's something similar going on. It's, it's something that's, there's something quite special about Greg's, I think. How many Greg's, looking around the table, how many Greg's would you say there are in the world? Hundreds. No idea. I'm going to go for a number, though. <laughs> uh, over a thousand. That's correct. I would have said about 600, yeah. There is 1,950. Is it? Wow. Is it the most or the cost of the most? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. But it's 1,950. Wow. Maybe a little bit more than that since a few months since I last saw the bloke. Yeah. But isn't that... that, People like it, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, even like like Bills, you know, like starting in Brighton. It's it's amazing when you speak to people in Brighton and they talk about Bills and starting in Lewis and all that. And then when they see them around, they go, there's 80 on they're like, oh my mm. God. But, you know, hopefully for them as well, they're, they're hanging that together and the refurb programs on and things like that. So what, I, what I'll say to that is um, when I was in private equity a good few years ago, um, you did draw this hockey stick rollout plan um, and it would be, you'd open a few in London and then you would open every university town around around the UK. And, and now for me, I'm far more excited about going to Paris or Amsterdam or mm-hmm. international cities where you're seeing huge growth yeah. and um, a far less uh, exciting or mature food market than, mm-hmm. than there has been in London in the last few years. Um, but I think that's more interesting than some of the regional towns around the UK that historically you would have gone to next on your list. Yeah. Absolutely agree. It's almost like the Soho House model. It's yeah. picking those cities that are a similar de- demographic to London, yeah, like Amsterdam or Berlin, as opposed to going mm. regionally. I'm just waiting on Brighton opening. I've been waiting <laughs> all my life. <laughs> so I think it's next year. Come on. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, and I was thinking as well, does things change for you with the online thing? So you're taking Farmer G or whatever, and then you're maybe judging that on, you know, retail and rollout and da 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 But are you taking into account and looking at the digital side of things at a business like that, holistic, you know, other verticals around that business as well? Because things might change where there's no high street and we're all delivering or ordering in a different way or, you know, it just could be quite interesting. What What's going on in your heads about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Farmer J... We not to pick on Farmer J, by the way. <laughs> <it> was just <laughs> No, not at all. I mean, there's obviously online ordering yes. and so d- delivery one of the sites of J is nearly 50% delivery mm-hmm. um, so it's a, it's a massive part of everything that we do and there's, but I think there is also a long way to go so mm-hmm. the online ordering that happens in the US just doesn't happen in the UK the whole click and collect concept so I think there's a, there's a lot of businesses that are behind the times and yeah. that will change over time mm-hmm. 
definitely. It feels like the contactless thing. So I worked for Bartley Card years ago and we did some research about contactless before we did the water slide ad thing that we did years ago. And when we asked consumers, said, what do you think contactless means? And they said, does it mean my bank won't phone me? And they were all <laughs> delighted about this, right? You know, and we go, oh, Christ. But it just took a couple of things to happen where it was user adoption. And it feels like, you know, we're maybe a year or just a wee bit more away before voice starts to kick in properly, click and collect becomes a thing. Because I think Starbucks have just opened a click and collect only store, haven't they? I think, in the UK, they've just, yeah. Yeah, so basically you go in. It looks a bit soulless, because it's just like (laughs) some sort of little ramps for where your coffee is, you kind of get it and go. But it just feels like if that user adoption, but I was just wondering, as deals go forward, that might be, you know, room for growth, or how, how... Onlineable is it? You know, it's definitely a consideration, but I think it comes down to the brand. Mm-hmm. So Island Poke for us, it's incredibly easy to deliver that, and what you your experience you have in the store is very similar to the experience that you have if you get it delivered to your home. Mm-hmm. Um, Lena Stores, I don't deliver. We we wouldn't have a Deliveroo or an Uber Eats driver yeah. walking into that into that restaurant. And the other thing is, if you put pasta into a bowl if it's 10 minutes late or 10 minutes early yeah. it's it's crap mm-hmm. so um yeah there there are certain brands where it works now we will explore you know other options of could you give freshly rolled pasta alongside a pot and they mm-hmm. have to cook it at home all of those like the pasta evangelist type mm-hmm. model um they're all considerations but yeah again with something like cricket you would never um deliver it it's not an online business and you we want people to come in and have a very special experience and mm-hmm. and slightly more complicated food yeah. um and that we're very happy with with what that business is doing today the best spot at cricket is sat at the bar watching the chefs at work exactly so. yeah, yeah. So. can't create that at home yeah <laughs> and are you seeing that in terms of valuations and deals or is anyone really putting that forward what the sort of uh, the, yeah, the, the just on, the online digital potential maybe i think everyone uh, everyone's frets about the downside, don't they? To you know, you get very. A restaurant's going to get reliant on the delivery operators. Mm. You know, uh, it, it looks great when when you when you're telling yourself that it's incremental income, but yeah, you know, when it becomes a core part of your, your your operation, I'm sure we all feel slightly sorry for the independent operators that we used to phone up and uh, mm. you know get get them to d- deliver to us, and now we go on you know one of the uh, one of the, the delivery websites. And that, yeah, it's costing them fifteen, twenty percent, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. So. And the rest. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's it's a little bit scary that 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 dimension, and it's another it's another element to the shakeout, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, businesses having to reposition themselves, health, and trapped by. I mean, and there there is a there is a horror to property leases. You know, there's such an inflexible mm-hmm. way of uh, guaranteeing space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's a long-term asset, and the owners of the asset need to have some sort of security of as to of ten years of the income they're going to get. But you know, it's an incredibly difficult part of the equation to manage yeah. how much space you should have, where you should have that space, and this, this just adds to the, the complexity of resolving that problem. I think. And what about dark kitchens as well? We're seeing that quite a lot. Is that coming into your vista? in any way, shape or form? Or are you put off by that? Would you want that? Is there plans for that? What's going on there? So yeah. Klanik's sort of uh, gone to the market, isn't he, in the UK? Who? Uh, Klanik, you know, the, the Uber fellow. What's he, he's oh. oh, yes. He's uh, been he, buying them up left, right and centre. Is it, right? Oh, okay. Well, I, actually, I tried it 
uh, and I shut it within three months. Uh-huh. Um, I took a dark kitchen. Uh, the, the grand idea was to do uh, Indian, Chinese and Italian. No, Indian uh, and poke from one. Um, we didn't do Italian. Uh, and essentially you had the, 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 these dark kitchens are pretty horrible places to work yeah. in. And you're, um, uh, you're busy for a three-hour window, very busy for a three-hour window in the evening. So you have to staff up so you can hit those deliveries. Yeah. Uh, but then if you're going to get chefs to work in a kitchen like that, you've got to pay them for nine hours a day. And so it was never going to make enough money for me in that scenario uh, to make it work. There will be other concepts that, that do work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's definitely not going away. There'll be, there'll be a lot more of it popping up and lots of uh, kind of newly created brands purely for delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the moment, trying to do really good quality stuff on the, with the percentages that they take, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to make it an exciting number at the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've there's been businesses looking for funding that are dark kitchens that we've yeah. looked at, and none of them that we've seen have been financially viable from our investment perspective. Yeah, yeah. What about the staff welfare issue? Is that is that something that's that's worried you? I mean, that's just the the uh, yeah. We know that we know the press pick up on tips, and uh, you know, and you know, on many occasions, rightly so. But yeah. there's there's quite a, a number of stories in the press that I've noticed about the welfare of the chefs working in those. In the dark kitchens, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, we shut uh, a couple of times because it was just, you know, no heaters. It was right. miserable conditions, and we were working with a unnamed third party on that. Um, but yeah, it's it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's a broader comment that we're seeing a lot. It is. It's such a tough industry to work in. Yeah. Um, so we we provide mental health support and things like that. But yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's, uh, you know, when you give someone a, a big, nice, shiny, open theatre kitchen like you have in Cricket or the new Lena Stores, yeah. it's a much nicer place to work. And, Not yeah. a car park in Camberwell. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My local one is in a car park in Camberwell. I've, I've, I've sort of gone, gone around the corner and I'd looked at it a couple of times. It, it, you know, it's not the sort of place you particularly would... Uh, look forward to going yeah. to work. Perhaps I'm being okay. I'm fine. I'm calm, but maybe people love going there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what about the E word then, in terms of elections and all that stuff? I mean, how are you feeling about your own businesses, the businesses you invest in? What's the sort of now near far view on economy and economic impact? What's going on there? Uh, well, well, I mean, I, I run a business that trades across every sector, but mm. I, 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 I only work in leisure. Um, you know, it's not it's not a buoyant economy, but most sectors are all right. Um, you know, there is a, a level of activity, um, and you know, we're, we have, our business is still growing in, in those sectors, so that feels all right. L- leisure is by far the the most badly affected uh, sector by what what is a, a sort of current economic malaise. Mm. Um, I mentioned I do, I do a bit of travel uh, mm. earlier, that, and that's. Yeah, basically, people buy travel in euros or dollars, and, and but the, but they earn pounds. So that that's been very badly impacted by the fact that the pound is worth less than it was, uh, well, just over three years ago. Um, well, staycation companies must be doing better, though. Yeah, I think I think apparently that is the case. Well, we just saw uh, a business called Sykes Cottages. Those of us who are deal junkies um, <laughs> go for a very big price, which is uh, yeah one of these uh, you know businesses that where you rent rent a, a, a staycation cottage, whatever from. Uh, go for an extraordinary price so you know there is definitely there are some bright spots as there always are but you know uh, I mean casual dining has been very badly impacted by it 
Uh, and it, you know, there are people who, in, in the investment industry, uh, you, you, you're clearly finding things to do, which is great. And you've, you've continued to do, both of you continue to do deals. But some it, of, In spite of what's going on, yeah. I think, is the... It, it, uh, and, but, but some of the, 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 the sort of mainstream investors, uh, uh, as Lizzie said at the start, you know, they've taken fright a bit and they, they don't yeah, really want to get involved in this space. Mm. And you've seen a number of processes for really good businesses. I mean, Gilling Street is a fantastic business, I think. Yeah. You know, and uh, that that didn't conclude in the way that people wanted it to. It'll it'll go on. It will still be very successful in future. Um, but but that speaks of a, of a of a real reluctance on the part of investors to take perhaps risks that, that they might have taken a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, an, it's it's a tricky time to be exiting, but it's an, a very interesting time to be investing and growing. Mm-hmm. I would That's say. a good tip. Yeah, you feeling the same? Yeah, absolutely. I, more coming back to the, the wider economy of, um, and, and to, to mention the, the Brexit, um, it has been a disaster in a, in a number of a number of ways for us. And the first of just being a, a great excuse for suppliers to just call you up and say, uh, "Oh no, this is happening, and we're increasing all of our prices by ten percent." Yeah, mm-hmm. there's very little you can do about that when you're a small operator. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point about uh, exchange rate fluctuations, that sounds like quite a grand economic, uh, macroeconomic comment. But actually what it, what it means on the ground is some of our best staff who come from Eastern Europe to work here, they work here and they send money home. Mm-hmm. And they're now earning less money and so they're sending less money home. And so a lot of them actually just don't, after the summer break, aren't coming back to London to work. Yeah. And so you get those staff shortages, and what that does is it pushes up your your um, uh, your staff costs as well. Um, so I think it's it, it's created a whole load of issues. And, and I mean, final point on that is uh, there's a whole load we're not seeing at the moment of just deals not getting done, like a hotel not being built, or a yeah. and all of the the things that go on around that of the lawyers, the accountants who get paid a lot of money. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, and and all the builders and you know these are you don't you don't read about the ones that aren't happening, yeah. but that's happening all over the place at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, yeah. It's 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 I, not going to get prettier m- too quickly. I did, and I, I that's the one thing. I mean, I, I was I was having this conversation with my boss, who obviously looks at looks at our numbers every month, and uh, you know it's got more difficult. I think as we as we've gone through the year. Um, and those meetings are still very positive, I should say. Um, but <laughs> but I, I sort of I've looked back over twenty years of uh, financial crises and economic crises and political crises, and there, there there does tend to be a boom that follows the the. And it's not a slump at the moment, but it, it is. You know, there is there is a decline in the number mm. of deals across all sectors, and leisure is the one that's definitely the one that's most hard hit. But there tends to be a boom that follow, follows that that. Uh, that, that, that decline and with the rise of you know institutional investors or you know investors who are even investing high net worth money but doing it in a structured organized way um you know you know that the, those those people have built their careers on, on investing that money very often the money is committed or, or it's from people who really like the sector or whatever it is and therefore that money does have to be spent so uh, I was telling my boss this, and he started laughing. He said, "You sound like an estate agent predicting there's going to be a boom in activity." You know, when this particular uh, uh, sort of difficult period is over. And I said, "Well, I do sound like an estate agent, but I, th- I think that's probably what's going to happen." Yeah, um, absolutely. I think you're right. I think there's a big distinction between a generalist investor and a specialist in that they get the nuances 
and the cyclicalities and the seasonality and they've been through this before and they've been through the last recession before so mm-hmm. you do come out the other side not everybody does and that's when it comes down to site selection and rents and unfortunately margins with a lot of it but you're right the most tangible impact impact it's had has been on the availability of staff yeah but actually to, to your point there i've just raised a bit of um a uh, bit of debt from that waste and they asked yeah they showed me press articles of saying yeah it's all a disaster why should we be lending to you and actually i went back to the last recessions and pulled out a load of press cuttings from there and it was the same headlines the you know the restaurant market's a disaster there's going to be no one eating and drinking um but actually the people who invested cash during those downturns mm-hmm. and you know they were the ones who came out a few years later and were sold for really big numbers so that it is it's definitely going to come back um just when is the yeah. is the question well on that note then i was thinking about time and i was thinking about the little one outside <laughs> as well um so i was thinking about what are you most positive about for next year and what do you think your biggest challenge is going to be next year from your perspective um i, I think i think there'll be the, there'll be more going on next year mm. um I don't. I don't. I mean, getting Brexit uh, done, you know, is well, it always feels like see it, see it sorted, doesn't it? They get, get Brexit done. It's one of those phrases. Yeah, well, it's cut through, isn't it? They're looking for a phrase that will cut through and get through to people. Yeah, yeah. We we know it won't be won't be uh, that simple, but you, you'd hope there'd be some resolution to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think there's this. There'll be this backup of activity. The things that should have been done over the last year, they'll just people will start doing them again. And everyone will be busy for a while, uh, and you know, people, people like me, you know, will we'll see more activity, and, and people who've, who've who've got good ideas and want support to make them bigger and better, mm. will be able to get on with their lives again and actually get get money to go out and do stuff. That sounds but, nice. You should run for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God believe. I'd say not for this. You got to believe. <laughs> and what about your challenge? What have you got a big? What's your big sort of challenge next year? Do you think? Um, I, 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 I've spent my career working with entrepreneurs and. Uh, Love them. You, I, mean, I love them to death. You know, working with the, the people who really want to build something special and different mm-hmm. and change the world. You know, uh, there is this thing about people believe the value of their business is the the last, the biggest price they ever heard from it from from somebody. And you know, will 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 two hundred fifty sorry two thousand and fifteen two thousand sixteen prices be being paid in twenty twenty? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, maybe mm. for really good stuff, really good businesses, they'll always attract. But realistically, uh, would you, does it like six, probably, six times mainly? Or? This, this, we're in the middle of a bit of a shakeout, aren't yeah. we? And uh, you know, things, things, things. People will have to adjust their adjust their sites a little bit, mm. I think. Um, and it, 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 the, 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 the precise number depends on the, you know, uh, uh, you were saying between six and fifteen, I think, or eight and fifteen. Yeah. You know, that's the range. But it, you know, it might be towards the lower end of that range rather than towards the higher end. Of that uh, range. And looking at the Fuller's deal, Very right? Nice. That was an incredible <laughs> amount of, you know. Times the bit there, wasn't it? It was something crazy. Like yes, it was. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a, it yeah. was a big number. How would you put a price on London Pride? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there was 80 million of real estate in that deal. Uh, true. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. underpinned the value, I think, quite a bit. Hmm. Nice bit of real estate on the Chiswick Roundabout. Not too sharp. <laughs> I don't know if you could build a, build a housing estate on it, but... Yeah. 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 Bagsy, somebody, somebody Bagsy living try. in the chimney, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lizzie? I think one of the biggest challenges is if there is less consumer spending out there, actually that pressure to be the best at what you do and Mm. more importantly keep innovating because if you're not exiting because of because there isn't a market to exit at the moment as well and you're holding on to portfolio companies for longer actually with life cycle shortening 
there is that pressure to keep innovating, keeping it fresh, keeping it relevant. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably going to be the, the biggest challenge in the year ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of opportunities, as I said before, we do see this as a good time to be investing in new yeah. concepts. So we will, we will be investing Give us a call. in the right things. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give us a call. <laughs> yeah, um, on the show notes will be everyone's details. <laughs> and, uh, well, but you, white rabbit, black rabbit, grey rabbit, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, lots, yeah. lots, and uh, yeah, we are going to be um, uh, expanding rapidly. We've got a lot in the pipeline for the next, um, even for the next couple of years, mm. um, lined up. Um, so yeah, a lot of very exciting stuff. Challenges, Lizzie, you're absolutely right. It's relevance is one of them. Mm. How you stay relevant, and, and also how you you, uh, you keep it at the best of the best. Mm. Um, and then the other challenge is just uh, my own personal capacity. <laughs> yes, yeah. cloning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a nice problem, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just before we go then, I was just going to get one key takeaway, one key tip from everyone that just to help people that are looking for investment. So I know we've covered an awful lot during the chat, but just one thing to say, if someone is looking for you to be interested, what's the number one thing they can do? Lizzie. <laughs> so I was, well, was going to say the number one tip I would say is which is easier said than done don't pick the wrong sites because I think that's the most mm. important thing of anything yeah you're listening Kieran Sherlock <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> no pressure <laughs> uh, we have a mantra which I always get wrong I always say it in pictures I get it the wrong way around but it's detailed preparation rapid execution I always say rapid preparation detailed execution <laughs> yeah they both but, work but they both work. But the one that really matters is is the preparation. You know, just really thinking about it. Getting if you if you're going to prepare a document, you know, making sure that's beautiful and considers all the issues. You know, that it's thing. Your proposition's really thought through. You've got the numbers tied down so that they make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, if, if it's a smaller deal, pe- people give you a bit more, bit more, li- bit more latitude. But you know, the the more it it, it comes out oven ready as a beautiful thing that people mm-hmm. can just sign here you know and give, give you the money to, to, to grow it I mean that, that just makes everyone's life easier are you yeah. still thinking about the gill saucy draw when you said oven <laughs> oven ready <laughs> I've and, given them up, given them up. <laughs> well just saying as well slip this in it, you know brand's very important as you're saying so you know if you need any brand help there's a ship. Um, what about you Kristen well exactly the same I yeah. think you, you hit the nail on the head there um, running a fund you're, you're looking after other people's money and mm. I take it incredibly personally that they trust you to actually put that to good use mm-hmm. um and so if you are looking to raise money my god do you have to prepare really in detail know what you're doing yeah. um have looked at the numbers you may not be a numbers specialist but have a go at it or mm. get someone who knows a bit about numbers to support you but to have thought through everything because it's it's a big ask yeah. um for people to trust uh trust you with um with their money. It's a Spider-Man quote in there somewhere, isn't it? The great responsibility <laughs> thing. So, listen, just say thank you so much for your time today. You. I know you're super busy um, for all different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just wish you well. And, obviously, Merry Christmas when it comes. And Happy New Year and all that stuff. And, yeah, hopefully we'll do this again next year and see where you're all at. Thank you very great, much. Thank Beautiful. You very thank, much. You. thank you. Cheers. So, there you go. All that you wanted to know about investment and M&A in restaurants, but you were afraid to ask. Hopefully that's answered everything that you wanted to know and has cleared up a few of the subjects that you might have been thinking about for your business or indeed if you're looking to invest in the restaurant industry. 
A huge thanks to our guests for coming in today and being part of our panel debate on our supersonic BDO investor special. A huge thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks so much for all the notes that we get, the ratings, the reviews, and thanks to everyone who is sharing it with just one colleague as much as they can. We really, really appreciate you spreading the news and sharing around your network. A huge thanks to BDO for putting this podcast together in terms of curating the guests and making it happen, and also for supporting and bringing you the Supersonic podcast from day one. A huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all they do to put the Supersonic podcast together every single week. Really, really appreciate all your hard work. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. This was an amazing episode. I hope we can do it again soon. And I really, really hope that this episode has given you some great value that will help your business boom. Boom.